0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. God bless you all. Um, That was a funny video, but it also introduces the conclusion of our series, That we have been calling KISS. Keep it super simple. 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 Pastor Sean said we should add K-I-S-S. Keep it super simple, stupid. (laughs) No, I'm just we're not gonna do that. Our theme scripture is John three thirty. He must increase, but I must decrease. Say it with me. One, two, three. He He must must increase, increase, but I I must must decrease. That's an easy one to memorize, right? John, I think the only one shorter than that is Jesus wept. So this might be the next one up. He must increase and I must decrease. Spoken by uh, John the Baptist. In other words, he he was saying we need to elevate Jesus in our lives, elevate his word and and his ways in our lives, and and decrease the big three. You know what the big three are? The big three is the big me, myself, and I. The big three. Right, and when we do that, it's going to lead to a better life, a less complicated outcomes, and a simplified life. Now, now, that's true in multiple areas, as we've gone over this series in conflict resolution and the influence of culture to practically living out our God's commandments. Now, last week we gave six steps to simplifying your your life financially. If you missed that one, go back and listen to it. It's worth listening to, and if you like what you hear. Um you can hear you can go to YouTube, you can go to Facebook. if you like what you hear, like, subscribe and share the message. Today we're ending our series again on the subject of finding godly companionship the simple way uh, or or dating simplified. now, or I, I might say how how not to look for love in all the wrong places. And whether you're single or haven't been married and maybe you're you're a, widow, a, widow, a widower or you're a divorcee or you're single again. This is another area of our lives that we tend to overcomplicate. Trust me, as a pastor, I know, because the because we take the world's advice on this issue, and the world's advice, how many know, is the exact opposite, uh, oftentimes, what God's word tells us to do? Amen. Almost the exact opposite. <clears throat> now, and we have to get this right, especially in today's world of online dating uh, with that uh, I was introduced to a new term a few years ago, catfishing. I thought it was fishing, but apparently it's when people put a fake uh, profile up and then they they get in conversations with these people and they hook them emotionally and then they find out it's it's not the when they try to go meet the person (laughs) they put up a different picture and some in some cases it's a different sex. You know, so they, they're just lying online. And so the people are so desperate to, to find love, they're looking all the wrong places. I heard a, a funny, not so funny a story about online dating. It said the worst part about online dating is when the girl lifts her weight at 115 pounds, but when you're lifting her to put her in your trunk, she obviously weigh, weighs well over 140. Some of you don't get that. You don't get that at all. <laughs> Scary, right? No one wants to end up in some random trunk, whatever you weigh. And we joke with, sometimes we joke with some of our nieces. We don't use the, the words um, overweight or fat or anything like that. We use the word healthy in our family. And so we have a few healthy people in our family, younger people. <laughs> and this whole abduction conversation came up a few times. And they, and, they, and they would say, they don't have to worry about me, Uncle Rick, because, because if they came for me, I'll just lay down. They're not going to be able to pick me up. well again that's obviously a joke but I've heard and have been witness to some nightmare situations concerning dating and even marriages most of which could have been avoided if they listened to the simple counsel of God's word come on somebody but instead they went ahead with full steam ahead with the the three the big three the be myself and I and you end up in a complicated mess. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. <clears throat> he said, The highway to hell. That, that, didn't we hear there was a song about that, right? They glorified in the world. Highway to hell. Well, Jesus, they, this is where they got it from. The highway to hell is broad and its gates are wide for many who choose the easy way. Some would say the easy way. And again, that's what the world offers or appears to offer. But let me tell you something: easy doesn't mean less complicated. It absolutely doesn't. It means it may mean no restrictions, easy access, and oftentimes that's not the voice of God. When He offers, when you hear that voice telling you to do the do it the easy way, it's the enemy's voice. It basically, says, "Do what thou wilt," which results in complicated messes. Sometimes the the apparent easy way will absolutely complicate our lives. <clears throat> I mean, think about it. I mean, it's just an apple, right? Look, it, it, what harm could there be? Nothing could go wrong, right? It's right there, and we've been playing that "easy, it's right there" game. It looks harmless enough, and we rationalize and we justify. And before you know it, we're in a mess. And, and unfortunately, <clears throat> you, I can, you tell me who your closest. Five friends are in your life, and I'll tell you who you are, okay? And so if your closest five friends are partiers and and doing all sorts of stuff, chances are birds of a feather flock together. And so when you go to those close five friends about whatever easy path is now presented to you, you get the bobblehead. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. It's a bobblehead. And then you end up on the broad road that the Bible talks about. The road road should probably look something like this. If it, was, if it was today, it'd be a highway, five or six lanes, right? And on that five or six lane highway, you can, you can go to the, the to stay to the right, which is usually the slow lane. You can take in the sights, or it, you, know, you can get in with your buddies and get on that, what do they call the HOV lane? What does that stand for? High Occupancy Vehicle Lane, all the way to the left. And that one is sailing, and so it's moving fast. And and, and you have all these options, and the the enemy loves it that way. He loves when you have all these options in front of you. But the problem is, in 1 Peter 5, 8, uh, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a wrong lion, looking for someone to devour. Again, how does he sink his teeth into us? Through the seemingly easy choices we make. And the paths we take. We've heard the story of Samson. Remember, the strongest person who ever lived. But his problem was he had a a propensity to get involved with women that he should not have. And though his parents told him not to, and he he was raised a certain way, and the words God told him not to. The Bible says at some point he made his way to Gaza, from where he lived, which we know was 45 miles away. And somebody did the. And the problem with Gaza was that's where the enemy lived. And somebody did the math. As he's walking to Gaza, 45 miles, it it took something like 56,250 steps. And he took all those steps just to get to the house of a prostitute to spend the night at the house of a prostitute. And we all know Samson's end, right? All that effort caused him his sight. It caused him his station. And eventually it caused him his life. But he had 56,250 opportunities to turn around. Come on, somebody, it's getting quiet in here. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And choosing a life partner is one of those areas that can either make you or break you. You've heard me say it for years it's, it's, it's the second most important decision you ever make in your life. Second only to your relationship. With Jesus. Someone wrote a poem said, If you meet me and forget me, you've lost nothing. But if you meet Jesus and you forget him, you've lost everything. Come on, somebody. So that's the most important decision we'll all have. But the second most important decision is who you're going to allow to, to walk through this life with you. And that person could either make you or break you. I spoke to someone this week who told me since, since she led a particular guy in her life, her life for the last five years has been a nightmare. Can anybody relate to a situation like that? I remember a conversation I had with a family member years ago. She was 29 at the time, unmarried, and she wanted to be married and having kids by 30 and desperately looking for love in what I call all the wrong places. So that was her personal goal. And I told her, well, telling me what's going on. Well, her relationships usually last about three years and they end badly. And, and we had this conversation because she wanted to talk to me about it. She was, it was over lunch. She was all broken up about another relationship that had gone bad. And as, I, as she opened up to me, I realized what the problem was. She wholeheartedly embraced the world's way of finding a match. I mean, she was easy on the eyes. She was beautiful by the world standards. Finding a guy wasn't the problem, but, but she couldn't seem to close the deal. And, 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 and even though in her head she was doing all the right things, what was she doing? Well, she, she'll meet somebody, and within a week or two, she's sleeping with him. With, within a month or, so, or two, she, she's moved in with him. And within two to three, three years, uh, if that long, he breaks up with, with her, and she's totally devastated when the guy doesn't want to marry or pursue it any further. And even though she, the, the ring was never put on her finger, how many you know that every time that happens in her life, it feels like a divorce? And her heart is left in shambles. So as I listened to her, I said, you know, how about I suggest a different way of doing things? And at that point, she was open to suggestions I said, how about you stop giving these guys your heart, soul, and body every time you meet them within the first few weeks or months? She said, I never consider marrying someone if I didn't live with them. I said, yeah, don't, don't move in with them. I never considered that. You Remember that old proverb? Some of you know it. Why buy, why buy the cow? Somebody heard that before. The young people never heard it because they've embraced this lifestyle. What you did, what the murmur that you heard was when I said, right by the cow, the, 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 the response was, if you can get the milk for free. And I promise you, that's how a lot of guys think today. Not all guys, but a lot of guys. When you give everything within the first two weeks or months of knowing someone, you tend to remove the motivation to pursue. And that's when you start to confuse love with lust. And it has devastating consequences. Someone needs to pay attention to me this morning. Well, we left that conversation. Did she take my advice? Well, now we're six, seven years removed, and I want to tell you she did not. And we're two or three guys from that conversation with the same results, still not married, no kids, and that biological clock, Is winding down you know what they say the definition of insanity is it's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results pastor Sean I call that stuck on stupid and there's a lot of people who are just stuck on stupid in many areas of their lives so what does the word say not the world Tell us about this most important subject that is the potential to overcomplicate and even devastate our lives if we get it wrong. First of all, in the interest of full disclosure, let me just tell you right up front. There are certain words that you're never going to find in the Bible. You're never going to find the word friends with benefits. Come on, somebody. It's getting quiet in here. You're never going to, the, the words the Bible uses is fornication, s- sexually immoral activity if you're not married, or they just label people who jump from bed to bed prostitutes. Those are the three words you find in the Bible. It's getting quiet in here. Let me tell you another word you won't find in the Bible. You won't find the word dating or, or or the concept of dating, you would find something closer to courtship. And courtship is when you, it's a sort of dating, but you're, you're dating them with, 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 with boundaries and limits in the hopes of getting married. Come on, somebody. So dating is cultural and it's unique to our generation, but it's different than what the Bible says. With courtship, the families were much more involved in the process you had to get the blessing of the parents. There were generally arranged marriages. And in some cases, there were dowries. And a dowry is the money or goods or estates that a woman brings to her husband or his family in marriage. And so even in today's culture, in some cultures, it's the, it's the women's side. In others, it's the men's side. In our culture, we don't have dowries, but we have families share the cost with the highest payout culturally coming from the bride's family if they can afford it. I I say that because I still have one daughter at home, and we're hoping that she marries well. (laughs) And and typically, the guests will offset the cost with cash or gifts if that couple even makes it to the altar. And to me, unless you you put some parameters on, on this word dating, you're heading for a disaster. And so for the next few minutes, and for those of you who have kids and and grandkids, and, and 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 even if you're single or single again, just pay attention to what the word has to say. Six dating habits to beware of if you're looking for love. Beware of dating when God isn't at the center. When God isn't at the center. Jesus said in Matthew 6:33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. My Pastor used to say, friends, God is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And this is one of those areas where you want to make sure that God is in the mix. Luke 16, 13, Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So what's it saying? Basically, it's letting us know that when another human being starts to take on all or most of your time, like today's dating promotes, and they, they, they become your be all and your end all. You are potentially creating an idol in your life. An idol is anything that takes the place of pre- precedent over God in your life. If God doesn't hold the highest spot in a new relationship that you are in, you're on dangerous grounds. You might want to keep looking. In fact, I see it all the time. People give their lives to Jesus. They start to get serious, and then all of a sudden, what does the enemy do? He dispatches someone who tells you what you want to hear, and he says all the right things. doesn't only do it while you're single. I've seen him do it to married couples where he senses there's a crack in the relationship, and then along comes some guy or some girl at work and starts flattering and starts telling you all the stuff that you want to hear. You have to be careful in those situations when God is not at the center. Let me give you number two. Beware of dating that could be considered what, what we call missionary dating. Come on, Pastor Rick, what's the big deal? I mean, I'm just dating them so, so, so I can tell them about Jesus, so I can win them for the Lord. We call that missionary dating. And, and sometimes it works. In most cases, it doesn't. The opposite happens. Instead of, them, instead of you pulling them into the things of the Lord, they pull you right out. Because you start compromising. This is what the Bible says about missionary dating. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers... For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness and what communion has light with darkness and what accord has Christ with Belial? Belial is another word for the devil or the wicked one. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Listen, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in in them and walk with them among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people therefore come out from them and be separate says the Lord do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the Lord almighty is that pretty clear it's pretty clear and as your pastor and your friend when I don't see you in a while And then I finally see you, and I, you know, ask what's going on. And I always ask the question, you seen somebody? If you're at that age, I'll ask that question. All the young people know. You seen somebody? And when the response back to me is you start telling me about their physical attributes. Oh, he's tall, dark, and handsome. Pastor Rick, you should see him. He's got six-pack this and eight-pack that. Oh, she's gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. She is the pastor wig. Oh. Where'd you meet? Then you start telling me where they met and what they do for a living. And in that conversation, I don't hear nothing about Jesus. Matter of fact, I have to ask you, does this person love Jesus or even know the Lord? And the answer I get back is, um, 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 Pastor Rick, I'm working on them. If you have to work on them, you're probably missionary dating. And you're on spiritually dangerous grounds. I know it doesn't feel like it because everything is like, well, pretty at the beginning, but you are on spiritually dangerous grounds. Grounds, And I'm going to be so bold to say that that person is probably not the one that God brought into your life. Someone else might have. Beware of missionary dating. Let me give you number three. Beware of dating that skips the friendship stage. Romans 12.10, the message says, be good friends who do what? Who love deeply, practice playing second fiddle. Someone said it like this. Listen, anonymous. Intimacy without commitment is defrauding. Intimacy without friendship is superficial. A relationship based only on physical attraction and romantic feelings will only last as long as the feelings last. Does that make sense? So friendship should be the initial goal. And during that friendship stage, this is the mindset you should have, Romans 12.10. Love each other like brothers and sisters. Give each other more honor than you want for yourselves. 1 Timothy 5, one. never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as though he were your father. Talk to younger men as you would your own, What? Brothers, treat the older women as you would your mother, and treat the younger women with all purity as your own sisters. Mother, father, brother, sisters. What should be our mindset? We should be establishing a friendship with each other and one that looks like a family, not kissing cousins. Come on, somebody. But family like brothers and sisters in the Lord with all purity, the Bible says. And the Bible makes it clear, even though it's lost on our culture, that until you put a ring on it, be friends, not friends with benefits. Be friends. It says when you see that attractive guy or that girl walk in the door, your first thought shouldn't be, I gotta get her digits. Or I got to start dating that person or hooking up with that person. Another word you won't find in the Bible. Again, that skips the friendship and jumps right into intimacy. And intimacy doesn't equal commitment. Intimacy without commitment leads to defrauding. A word that comes straight out of the King James Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, King James. This is what it says. That no man be be- go beyond and defraud his brother... In any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. What's the context that he's referring to or he's using this word, defrauding your brother, that no man should do this? Well, let's look at it in a different version and let's go up just a little bit higher and you tell me what he's talking about. First Thessalonians 4, 1, brothers and sisters... We taught you how to live in a way that will please God, and you are living that way. Now we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus to live that way even more. You know what we told you to do by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God wants you to be holy and to stay away from, help me out somebody. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. Stay away from what? Sexual sexual sins. sins. Verse four, he wants each of you to learn to control your own body in a way that is, holy and honorable. Don't use your body for sexual sin like the people who do not know God. Also, do not wrong or cheat another Christian in what? What's the context he's talking about? He's talking about sexual sin. There's verse 6. He says, don't cheat or wrong another Christian in this way. And then he tells you, The consequences, the Lord will punish people who do these things, as we have already told you and warned you. God called us to be holy and does not want us to live in sin. And so King James uses the word defraud, and defraud means to deceive or to swindle or to cheat or trick or take advantage of. And so when you skip the friendship and you jump right into intimacy, nine out of ten times, it doesn't lead to a commitment And when you do that, the Bible says you are defrauding your brother or your sister in Christ. You're defrauding them. And you're defrauding them in more ways than one because now you're not just sleeping with someone who, 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 who you thought might be the one, but now they're not. You're actually sleeping with, with someone else's future husband or wife. What? A sin that the Bible says will not go Unpunished. Real talk. Can we, can we talk real? This is stuff you don't hear in the churches anymore because the culture has passed this on. Everyone's doing it, Pastor Rick. Paul says, for the ones who are doing it, they're going to answer to the Lord. So instead he says, control yourselves, control your bodies, control your thoughts. And treat them like your own brothers or sisters. Take time to get to know them, more than a, a few days or just a few weeks. Now, someone said, well, Pastor Rick, how long is, how long, is long enough to get to know someone before you, before you decide to get married to them? I would say usually about a year. The ones who are dragging this thing out, five, six, seven years, that's a long time. You, you should know someone by that time. Again, I know this runs counterculture. culture. To what we're being told. Somebody else would say, Well, Pastor, you don't understand. We got some serious chemistry going on. We got a fire that needs to be quenched. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that. First First Corinthians (laughs) 7 says, Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, It is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. This is Paul's thoughts. But if they cannot control themselves, they should get a friend with benefits. Did I misread that? Yes. I misread that, didn't I? Yes. Oh, darn it. Okay, let me, let, me, let me back up. If they cannot control themselves... They should marry. Is that what it says? Yes. For it is better to marry than to burn with lust. I'm telling you, there's some words you won't find in the Bible, and the way the world defines things is totally different than what the Bible is going to call it. You're going to call it a friend with benefits. The Bible's going to call it fornication. Not baby mamas and daddies not shacking up, not playing house, marry them. Let me give you number four. Beware of dating that isolates a couple. From who? From other vital relationships. Galatians 5.13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty and only, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So what are opportunities for the flesh? Well there are many. And they usually involve with separating yourself from other people. Things that happen in dark rooms and alone spaces. Probably not the best places to go because that's where temptation is the greatest in those situations. Also when you start to isolate yourself from your family, it's generally not good. Basically, do the opposite of what your hormones are telling you to do at the time. When my daughter was dating, my oldest daughter, Amanda, started dating Eric. By this time, she had just moved out of the house. She was in her early 20s. And most of her dating was happening, you know, when she was in our house. And they started dating for a couple of months. And we still hadn't met him. We had met all the other guys. And for the most part, we didn't like them for her. Let her know that. And so now that she had moved out, she was feeling her oats. And, and so at some point, I said, when are we going to meet her? When, when are we going to meet Eric? And i never forget her answer. This is what she said, because it just, it just burned in my head all those years ago. She said, Dad? It's not my business who she dates. (laughs) Again, she was feeling herself back then, because she's grown now. To which I responded Baby girl, I think you're wrong in that situation. I think it's my business on at least two counts. One, you come to this church, I'm your pastor okay, but more importantly, I'm your father, okay? But then I said to her, be careful, because if it's not my business today, it's not my business tomorrow. Anybody know what I mean by that? Come on, somebody. How many grandparents are raising their grandchildren of their it's not my business, when those not-my-business relationships fell apart? How many kids have ended up in foster care because it's no one else's business after a reckless lifestyle of their grown children went awry? You may not have wanted it to be your business, but all of a sudden it became your business. Come on, somebody. No, it's most certainly my business. And shortly after that, she brought him around. He came to us in the traditional way. It wasn't him. It was her. He came to me, and he asked if I could have the blessing of marrying my daughter. I said to him, listen, once I hand him off, once I hand her off, tag, you're it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> listen, we didn't lose a daughter. We gained a son in love. That's what I call them, a great husband, a great father to the kids. And but unfortunately, that's the mindset of, of today's generation. Not, it's not your business. not your concern until things drastically fall apart. How many of us have family members who, because their lives have fallen apart, all of a sudden things have become your business? Come on, somebody. Many of us have. So just because you can take liberty with things doesn't mean you should treat things like nothing or no one else matters. And you shouldn't isolate yourself from vital relationships. If you do that, you've already compromised. You just don't know it. Now, the NRB says it this way in Galatians 5, verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters... We're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Beware of dating that isolates a couple, which brings me to number five. Beware of dating that has someone trying to own the other person. We've seen it like that. They want to control. They want to manipulate. Listen to me. That's not love. That is not love. Now let me tell you about ownership. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says this to the believer out there, you were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of men. Come on, somebody. Who we bought with a price by? Jesus. And he doesn't want us owned by or run by people or anything. So beware of relationships where one person is thinking they own another person. Let me give you the last and final one. Beware of dating that distracts from thinking about the future. Proverbs 19.20 says this, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. The only thing that some dating relationships end up doing is keeping us sufficiently distracted from accomplishing goals and plans that God has for us. And I've seen it. You start dating someone; they start dating somebody, whether in high school or or, or, or something along those lines, and nothing else matters. Grades don't matter. Nothing else matters. Even later on in life, you become enamored with uh, with another person, and everything else goes by the wayside. Now. Folks, in Christ, we all have a future. And the Bible says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So don't allow conformity to the culture around you to derail you from what God has for you. And many, and many of the plans are outlined in God's scripture. And often Jesus would tell us, he who has ears to hear, let us hear. God's got a plan and a purpose for all of us. And don't allow relationships to take you off of that because your present choices will affect your future station in life. And I submit that in the end, it doesn't matter what the culture says. It doesn't matter what the laws allow or don't allow. In fact, it doesn't really matter what you or I say. It really comes down to what God says. And this is what God says in Galatians chapter 6. Listen real close. He says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. And the one who sows to please the spirit from that spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. What does it say? If we do not give up. Turn to someone and say don't give up. Don't give up on your marriage. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on God's word. Don't give up. Amen? Amen. And don't get caught up in culture and doing things your own way. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, I'll remind you again, and verse 14, he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and, and and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. What's number one? Come on, somebody. Beware of dating when when God isn't at the center. What's number two? Beware of dating that could be considered missionary dating. What's number three? Beware of dating that skips the. Beware of dating that isolates a couple, number five. Beware of dating that has someone trying to own the other person, number six. Beware of dating that distracts from thinking about the future. Now, let me tell you, when it comes down to this whole dating thing and simplifying, I, I heard a pastor, Pastor Jensen Franklin, give a bit of advice. And I'm not going to try to say what he said. I'm just going to let you hear what he said. Listen to what he said.
1: Ruth waited for her Boaz. She wouldn't just settle for anybody. The Bible said Boaz was a handsome man, a rich man, a spiritual man, a sensitive man, and that equals a husband. You gotta wait you got to wait on your Boaz. Don't just settle. But, but if you're not careful when you go left and it's Friday night and you don't have a date and you're freaking out. I, I don't have a date. I, 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 I didn't get married until I was 25. And, you know, I just made a decision. I knew there was a call on my life. And I just said I'm not going to go out and date just anybody and everybody. Because I know me. Don't freak out because it's Friday night and you're in Saturday night and you're in church instead of the club. (laughs) Boaz has some relatives and if you don't watch it, you won't get the one God has for you. You'll get his relatives. To the girls, I found this on the internet. He has, Boaz is spelled B-O-A-Z. Everybody say B-O-A-Z. And so he's got some relatives called broke ass, po ass, lying ass, cheating ass, dumb ass, drunk ass, don't go out with him, cheap ass, turn to somebody and say, I dated him. Locked up ass, good for nothing ass, lazy ass, and especially his third cousin beating your ass. Wait on your bo ass and make sure he respects your ass. Now there's your word. You wanted a word? You got a word. Quit dating anything on two legs. Let God take you through some loneliness. Let God take you through the wilderness. So that when they come, you'll be ready. I'm almost... I'm not even going to look back at Pastor Hagee. I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even, I'm, I'm not, he asked me to come. That's his problem.
0: <laughs> I'm glad he said it. <laughs> you get the message, right? God's got a plan. You got to cooperate with his plan. Amen? Amen? Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few that find it. That's the second most important decision you would ever make. Who are you going to walk through this life with? Wait on your Boaz. The first and most important decision is, what are you going to do with Jesus? And he says, he's that narrow gate. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And so God has called us, to follow him. And that's where it begins. Once I submit my life to him, then he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He will start to speak to you concerning all things. Amen? Any any Christian in here, any, any believer in here who trusts that God knows what he's talking about and he's got a plan for your life? Amen? He said, my sheep know my voice and they hear me and they follow me. And so let me encourage you That the first step is following Jesus. Acknowledging that you are a sinner, that you need a Savior, and that Jesus came to pay for those sins in your life. And that if you would humble yourself and ask Him to come in, He will come in. And He will be your God, and you will be His people. And then He'll start to speak to you about every area of your life if you learn to listen. So, as we come to a close, I want to give everyone an opportunity to do just that. If you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, that is the first step to keeping things super simple in our lives. Because he's got a perspective that we don't see. We only see this. He sees this and he looks down and he he sees, oh, that path is going to lead to that thing, it's going to lead to a problem. Take the narrow path. Go this way. Go that way. Allow him to be supreme in your life and in your leading and we'll avoid a lot of the mess that the world, whether it's in our finances, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in conflict resolution, whether it's dealing with the culture or even his commandments. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. He keeps it super simple for us. If we will learn to listen. So, as we come to a close this morning, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes. If you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, now is the time. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart, but humble yourself and ask Him to be your Lord and your Savior. Say something like this from your heart Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I've made some decisions apart from you. I repent of that today. Ask you to forgive me for my sins, all of my sins. Come into my life, come into my heart from this day forward. I commit, I recommit my life to you. Jesus, I need you for all the decisions of my life. Fill me with your spirit, with your power with your love. Thank you for dying for me, and three days later, rising from the dead. From this day forward, I surrender to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And on the authority of God's word, if you prayed that prayer, look up at me. The Bible says in that moment, you've become a believer a born-again Christian in Christ. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.